0: they mentioned we're, we're starting today um 21 days of prayer <coughs> 21 days of prayer and fasting and um and so the, my encouragement to us as a church is don't do nothing do do something you may in fact anybody feel like in 2019 um like you, like you prayed way too much anybody like in 2019 like years, like i just prayed way too much in 2019? Anybody raise a hand? It Just prayed way too hard. Anyone just pray way too hard 2019? Um, Way too many like bold prayers. Way too many, way too much breakthrough. 2019. No, no. So in, in other words, we're all, no, no matter where you're at on your journey of prayer, sometimes we come up to like a 21-day prayer and fasting, and it, and it brings up some guilt and shame. You're like, oh, I haven't done any, any <laughs> prayer or much at all. And, and now I'm going to like try to uh, jam it all into 21 days. Like, ah, you know, you feel like, like it just seems intimidating. Can I just say, do, do something. Do, start someplace. And uh, all of us will admit that, that, man, we should have prayed more all of us that we could have done more we could have what and so can we just like delete it like just say like all all of that there's no you know no no guilt my mom my mom used to say no guilt shame and 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 condemnation right like just just put that all aside and let's just say hey we're going to start a brand new year I love the verse that says his mercies are new every morning and and let's pray. So you may have never fasted. Someone came up to me and said, "I've never fasted, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to try something, right?" Man, isn't that that's so good? Now, and it may it may be food. It may be you know it could be like one thing. That I would challenge you in this that it's something that you that that kind of hurts a, a little bit, right? Like if you like if you um you know hate broccoli, like that's probably not the thing <laughs> to give up, right? You know you you, you probably right you know. So, so do do something, you know. And some people, be, for health reasons or whatever, they're gonna they're gonna do more of like a like a media fast or something else. I'll tell you what, for some of us, doing a media fast like it'll change your life. Like you, you, you detox off of, uh, off of news and social media and television and movies and games on your phones or tablets or whatever you, you do to entertain yourself. What I, what I usually say with a media fast is you, you only use electronics for, um, for communication or for um, the things you need for work. Um, sometimes it might be that you're, um, like, maybe you read your Bible um, through, through, like, your phone or something like that, or maybe you want to listen to, you know, to, like, a sermon or a podcast or something, but, but not, but not entertainment, right? And so, is that enough? I just want to at least that way everybody in this room could say, okay, I could do something. Some people are going to do like a total fast, where um, where it's just juice, maybe juice and water. Some uh, not a raise of hand, but anyone going to do like like just water for 21 days, right? So th- you can go to a- extreme, or you can or you can do you know whatever. But what I would say is, um, if you haven't thought about it till right now, decide right now what you're going to do, and then don't like you know you know tweak it as you go. <laughs> Unless the Lord says. Okay. Here we go. Uh, I want to do uh, one more thing. One more thing. Some people, now you may have gotten, hopefully you got um, in uh, uh, my newsletter that I sent out um, electronically. We have some hard copies of them out in the foyer. Um, but the newsletter for January was really about fasting and why we fast. And, and, uh, and it gives a little bit of instructions there. Here, here's one thing I'd like to, you guys remember, um, uh, ladies, do you guys remember, ladies, do you guys still have Tupperware? Is, that, is Tupperware still a thing? pretty sure it is, right? So, you remember, like, like, those those pitchers that you get, and, and they have, like, slots where the, where the water, or what liquid comes out, you know, you take the lid off, and so, you imagine, like, if you had that full of water, and the, and it was turned to where there was no slots, and you turn it, now, if you have a, one of those bad lids, then everything comes out, but, but let's imagine the lid sticks, okay, and you and you turn it over nothing nothing's gonna come out right nothing will come out well you, you turn it a, a little ways and you got just a, you know like one of the one of the little slots turned just a little ways and you turn it over and, and some something's gonna trickle out a little bit's gonna trickle out you turn it to that big open you remember that big square opening right and you turn that to the big opening you, it's coming right it's coming out and maybe even like forget that we're just taking the lid off <laughs> right so the the here's here's the thing about um that lid and about about that picture is that um, when it's in right alignment, the liquid comes out. That's one of the biggest things about prayer and fasting. We could talk about all kinds of different reasons to pray and fast and all this. The biggest thing about fasting is that it, it gets our heart and our spirit in right alignment. I feel like, like breakthrough comes even more when, when I'm in right alignment with the Lord and I, and I know his heart more and I hear him better and I know what to pray more, right? And so it, maybe you could take 21 days and say, you know what, I'm gonna be in right alignment. Now, I, don't, I feel like I'm, there's something going on in the speaker. I, is, I don't know if that's me or if that's, uh, uh, if that's you guys. So when I say you guys, I mean just you. So, <laughs> but uh, and if I need to switch mics, you can. Um, we could we could do that too. Is that just me, or am I hearing? It? You okay? Just she says it's just me. So that's interesting. We need to get that. Sh- go to the family doctor this week. So, um, I I decided to do a um, a series. This is the. I think this is the first time I did a series based off a of book that I read, and I read this book uh, two times. Um, and then the uh, the author, he's a pastor in Washington D.C. Um, I think it's called um, a National a National City Church. His name's Mark Batterson, and uh, and so he wrote a book called The Circle Maker. And, um, and I've read it a couple times and then he has resources and, and material and curriculum and you know sometimes it's like, it's like you know you're like Lord give me a download so I can have a, just a brand new thing and then sometimes it's like why reinvent the wheel right? You take, take, this ministered so much to me um, both times I read it I thought you know what I'm going to start the year with this, this the, the book really really if you if you're to boil it all down it's about praying prayers of faith like big prayers prayers that count uh, prayers that are beyond you that you can't just accomplish in your own strength That um, that it takes anybody need need god to come through in an area that you can't do it by yourself And you need you need breakthrough you need something something more than just you and so um, So the the series is just simply the title of his book called the circle maker now next week We're going to have some books available if you there'll be ten dollars out in the foyer if you want to read along with us um, And I think leslie has a sign-up sheet if you would like to to kind of pre-order and get those out. You can do that, or you can show up and hope that there's some left over, but there'll be $10 if you want to read along with us. But we're, um, it's going to be called uh, The Circle Maker. And today's title, I just entitled it Praying Circles for Breakthrough. Just praying circles for breakthrough. And um, to be honest, I, I wish I would have thought of this um, earlier, but last, last night I thought, oh, I need, and, and you'll understand why, but I thought I need to have like a big staff. And uh, I looked all over the church. Leslie told me where one might be, and, and we couldn't find it. And so um, imagine that I have a big staff for at least part of this right here. There was a, um, the reason why the book's called The Circle Maker is because there it was um, the legend of The Circle Maker. And there was a guy um, that we're going to talk about here that... um the Jewish tradition says lived uh, right towards the end you guys remember between the Old Testament and the New Testament there was about 400 years between the two Um, a lot of people call it the the silent years mainly because um, there's no recorded word of the Lord that God spoke and and said something at least it didn't make it in in canon it didn't make it in the Bible and and so because of that that doesn't mean he didn't speak it just means we don't have a record and and so right towards the end of that uh, you you obviously know that when you come out of the, the the Old Testament, and then those four hundred years, and then you you come into the New Testament. We're getting ready to have Jesus come, and uh, and now and now it's and now God starts to speak again. Um, but we're right towards the end of that. In fact, we're in that probably that last generation um, before Jesus comes, and it's a first century BC in Israel, and um, there was a major drought in the land uh, it, in fact it was such a major drought in the land of Israel that um, this, it, it almost wiped out the whole generation before Jesus and so you've got this whole scenario and then you've got this eccentric man named Honey. everyone say Honey. you guys want to name somebody that <laughs> name your next baby that this eccentric man named Honey that lived um, just outside the walls of Jerusalem and in the midst of this drought one, one day, um, he had his big six-foot staff. And he, you could imagine, like a compass, a protractor, he just takes it and just little, little by little slowly turns, 90 degrees, right, 180 degrees, 270 degrees. Eventually it was 360 degrees, made this circle in the sand and he drops to his knees with his hands raised to heaven and he starts to pray. And that's going to be the start of our story, the circle maker. Well, we're going to hopefully hear a challenge from the Lord to draw circles. So this eccentric sage drew the circle and uh, and as he was drawing that circle he never looked up but there was a crowd that that came to watch honey as he drew the circle and he got to his knees and Um, and as he was praying he prayed this prayer he said Lord of the universe I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children and what was he praying for he was praying for it to rain we need rain we need mercy the word sent a shudder down the spine of all who were within earshot that day it wasn't just the volume of his voice it was the authority of his tone there was not a hint of doubt the words flowed from the depth of his soul, and his prayer was resolute yet humble. He, you, you know some of those prayers that don't seem like they're very humble. They're like, man, that seems like a little, I don't know, I don't know about that prayer. It was confident yet meek. He was expectant yet unassuming. And then it happened. His prayer ascended to the heavens as some raindrops started to descend to the earth. There was an audible gasp that swept across the thousands of congregants who had now encircled honey. Honey's head remained bowed. The people rejoiced over each drop, but honey wasn't satisfied with a sprinkle. And sometimes I think we stop. We're like, yeah, we got it. And we we move on. We got it from here, Lord. But honey was like, like no, that's not exactly what I was praying for. That's the beginning. But he kept praying. Still kneeling within the circle, Honey lifted his voice over the sounds of celebration. And he says this prayer Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. Then the sprinkle turned into a torrential downpour. It rained so heavily and so steadily that the people fled to the Temple Mountain. If you if you if you've seen pictures, he's right outside the, the walls of Jerusalem, and there's the, the Temple Mount, and people were like, Man, this is so much. And so they fled to get to get to some high ground. They fled to the Temple Mount to escape the flash floods, and Honi stayed and prayed inside his protracted circle. Once more he refined his bold request. <laughs> He says this, Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. And it began to rain calmly, peacefully. Each raindrop was a tangible token of God's grace. It would be forever remembered as the day. The day that thunderclaps applauded the Almighty. The day puddle jumping became an act of praise. The day that the legend of the circle maker was born the prayer that saved a generation was deemed one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel the circle he drew in the sand became a sacred symbol and the legend of of Honi the circle maker stands forever as a testament to the power of a single prayer to change the course of history what do you think about that I say let's get our prayer on Let's believe when it seems impossible, when when everything, man, there's people I know, even in this church, that at some level you'd say, man, I feel like I've lost my faith. I feel like, like, man, I know God's there, but I just don't feel like he hears me. I definitely don't feel like he answers me anymore. Whatever it might be, wherever you're at on that spectrum of how powerful you think your prayers are, sometimes it gets so desperate. Sometimes there, it, it's, it's like there's a drought that has, that has affected the land for years and years, and we're at that place, and we're just like, I don't even know if this prayer is even going to matter. And my encouragement to us, to me, can we pray one more time? could we could we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and one more prayer, ten more prayers, a little bit longer? Could we not give up our prayer life because breakthroughs around the corner? Here's a main thought today if we if you're taking notes, is that God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. I love Ephesians chapter three. In verse twenty, it says this: Now to him who is able to do what immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. What this tells me is that, man, I can't outdream God. I can't outask God. I can't outthink God. And so it's almost like God saying, "I dare you to try. I dare you have a bold prayer. Pray, pray with such audacity, and just see because." he can do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all you can ask, imagine, think up, whatever might be in your heart or your mind. The power of a single prayer. It's been more than 2,000 years since Honey, the circle maker, became famous in, in his age, drew that circle in the sand, and God is still looking for circle makers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less, actually. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they don't require divine intervention. Could we think about that? When was the last time you prayed a prayer that was beyond you, that was like a, you're standing at the edge of the cliff and you're like, I hope, man, I pray, oh God, right? It may be, big to you and not as big to someone else but I'm just asking you, for you what's, what's that big prayer for you? Because if your prayers aren't impossible to you they don't require divine intervention. There's nothing God loves more than keeping his promises, answering prayers, performing miracles fulfilling dreams. That is who he is. That is what he does. I would say and imagine I have this big staff up here. The bigger The circle we draw the better because god gets more glory man if i could do it in my own strength guess who gets the glory me if i can't do it in my own strength and god comes through guess who gets the glory man that's got to be the goal of our prayers is that god gets the glory i promise you this god is ready and waiting and i gotta remind myself that man there are so many times that I get caught up, and I'm just, to be honest, even as a pastor, think, is he even going to answer this prayer? Man, I've got to encourage myself. I've got to pull myself up up by my bootstraps. I've got to, like David, strengthen myself in the Lord, and I just got to say, okay, we're going to, one more time, get back on the horse. God is ready and waiting and so while I have no idea what circumstances you find yourself in, I'm confident that you are only one prayer away from a dream fulfilled, from a promise kept, or a miracle performed. Um, For me, we, uh, you know, Becky and I, um, we got pregnant with Kaylee who's our oldest um, and she, uh, she just, she turned eight this summer and so she's uh, she's eight and a half and so just thinking it was probably before Kaylee but definitely f- during the pregnancy and after we started praying a prayer that we pray almost every night um over our family and over and over um our our kids our marriage our our, our house and we pray we pray a, a simple prayer and I I almost feel like it's this circle that we just keep drawing over our family and it's it just says this. "Is that, Lord, I just declare life and health and wholeness over our home right now. I declare life and health and wholeness over my children. In fact, we'll say them by name. All right, over Kaylee and Aria and Lydia right now, we declare life and health and wholeness. And you know what? There's been times when there hasn't been health and wholeness. <laughs> In fact, even as we kept praying those prayers we would lose babies to miscarriage and we would keep praying those prayers and someone would still get sick or we'd pray those prayers and someone would be in the hospital and how many times was it a temptation to stop praying the prayer a lot and then there's something inside us that say no wait no this is truth this is this is God's word, this is God's heart, and I don't understand all the reasons why, why it didn't happen or all the, all the, I mean, there's all of these things that can go through your mind of why didn't that prayer work and all that, and I'm just gonna let that be in the land of mystery and I'm, gonna, and I'm gonna declare truth over my home and over my family right now. So we just kept praying it. After during and through trials and tribulations, all this, we just said, I declare life and health and wholeness over my home. I mean, for, for years, for uh, every day, for years. Kaylee is growing up, and what was she? How old was she um, when Aria was born? Three, three, three years old. And um, a lot of you guys know the story of Aria. We we got pregnant with her. In fact, we um, we were told by doctors that hey, you know, maybe you should consider like just being being happy and satisfied with, with Kaylee and uh, it might be dangerous and all of this. And we finally uh, felt like, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to try again. And, and we got pregnant. And in the beginning, and, and doctors basically said, oh, you're going to have another m- miscarriage. And, oh, that circle that we had to keep drawing over our home. Lord, we declare life and health and wholeness. I remember being in that hospital room and Becky putting her hand on the baby just as the doctor had said, Hey, it looks like we're going to have to have a DNC. And she's with the faith as small as a mustard seed, right? <laughs> Baby, just show them what you got. <laughs> as we continue to circle, even though in the face of, of adversity and fear and all of this stuff, we continue to circle. And man, Aria, her name means lioness, by the way. Her middle name, uh, I think Noel. I think it was a shout of praise. And man, there's just so much. Man, that, she is such a fighter. She's she's so feisty. She just, I, I mean, she's like the epitome of like we are fighting for breakthrough. And then she's like, I will be that. You know, I'm gonna be the lioness. <laughs> it's so good. I, I I say that to say because cause sometimes we get d- discouraged with with uh, uh, lack of breakthrough, and may this message in this series for for me just be simply a whisper in your ear that says don't give up keep praying keep believing May, may faith arise god is still on the throne he desires breakthrough more than you desire breakthrough the jericho miracle you guys remember some of you Who've grown up in church remember Jericho? Actually, I um, drove in the bus, drove right past Jericho on our way to the Jordan River, and uh, we couldn't go in because we because um, we had uh, Messianic Jews and we had Israelis with us, and in, you can't, they couldn't go into to, uh, a Palestinian-controlled area. And so we had to wave at Jericho as we went to the to the Jordan River and, and all of that. And um, but so you, if you remember the story, Joshua six verse one, it says this. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. You remember, they, they had crossed the Jordan River and they were coming into the promised land that God had, been, had, had promised for over 400 years that this is going to be your land. The gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I love this place in Scripture. In the natural, this is what you see. But I think he was saying, hey, could you look with different eyes? See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns um, in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. I know that there's some, some uh, military men in this room, and, and I would just humbly ask, you don't have to tell me right here, but would you have done it that way? Right? no and 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 joshua wouldn't have done it that way either and a whole lot of the other people that he was leading wouldn't have done it that way either and 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 so we have this conundrum do i do i take a step of faith and and fight my battle the way god's saying fight my battle and this feels like this feels like crazy talk or do i do it in my own strength in my own way so jericho It was a city uh, with a six-foot-wide lower wall and a 50-foot-high upper wall that encircled the city. The mud-brick walls were so thick and so tall that the 12-acre city appeared to be impossible to conquer. It seemed like God had promised something uh, impossible and that his battle plan seemed a little questionable. He says this. He says, Your entire army is to march around the city once a day for six days, And then on the seventh day, you're to march around the city seven times. Go do it. Every soldier in the army wondered why. Why not use a battering ram? Why not scale the walls? Why not cut off the water supply or shoot flaming arrows over? Why not? And instead, God told the Israelite army to silently circle the city. The first time around, the soldiers felt a little foolish. But with each circle, their stride grew longer and stronger. The soldiers could start to feel this boldness, this faith probably start to rise up. Each circle, a holy confidence. And it started to build this pressure inside their souls, I I believe. And then by the seventh day, their faith was just about ready to pop. And, and now they begin their final lap. The sixth, uh, right after the sixth lap on the seventh day, they start, to, they start their, their final seventh lap. In keeping with God's command, they hadn't said a word in six days. They just silently circled the promise. Then the priests sounded their horns and a simultaneous shout Followed 600,000 Israelites raised a holy roar that registered on the Richter scale and the walls, what? The walls come tumbling down. Yeah, yeah. was that just me? I, I'm pretty sure I remember a song like that. After seven days of circling Jericho, God delivered on a 400-year promise. Imagine waiting 400 years. Actually, you couldn't. There was generations that were believing this promise that was spoken 400 years prior. They just just held on, just kept circling, kept circling the promise. God, you said. God, you said. And he proved once again that his promises don't have expiration dates. And Jericho stands and falls as a testament to this simple truth. If you keep circling the promise, God will ultimately deliver on it. So here's the question, what's your Jericho? What's your Jericho today? What's the Jericho for you that over these next 21 days, this next year, however long it takes, what's your Jericho? I think the story reveals the way God performed a particular miracle, but it also establishes a pattern for us to follow. It challenges us to confidently circle the promise God has given to us. What promise are you praying around? What miracle are you marching around? So I I look at this first part as a challenge to define the miracle. What is it? And maybe you just are just, Pastor Jonathan, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm praying for right now. Maybe this started this 21 days for you is to just say, Lord, what should I even be praying about (laughs) Lord, Lord, what should I even be contending for? Oh, maybe there's a God-given dream that he's whispered in your ear. Maybe it was years ago and you just kind of dismissed it. And He lets that bubble back up to the surface. Maybe there's a, a fear that, that you're needing to conquer and that you're needing to circle. Maybe, maybe there's a, a person that you've been contending for, for their salvation or for their healing or, or for breakthrough. And, and the Lord gives you that name. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe there's things over this church. Lord, how many people do you want to come to know you this year in this church? Maybe we circle a promise. What, what, what could it be for you? I challenge you to define it and circle it and pray with the Lord. Lord, what, what are the big things beyond me that you want me to believe for? And your heart's going to be like, oh, man, that's too big. And if it's too big, write it down. If it's too big, circle it. Because that's what we're believing for. Not only these three weeks, but over this whole year. More than a, a thousand years after the Jericho miracle, another miracle happened in the exact same place. It was with Jesus. Jesus was on his way out of Jericho, and two blind men hailed him like a taxi Jesus! Jesus! You remember what they said? It was Matthew 20. And it says, Lord, Son of David, what'd they say? Have mercy on us. The disciples see it as a, an interruption, and Jesus saw it as a divine appointment. And so he stops and he responds, but he responds with an interesting question. He says this to the blind. He says this. What do you want me to do for you? Matthew 20, verse 32. Wouldn't that be kind of an interesting question to a blind person that comes up for prayer? What would you like me to do for you? And Jesus, who like knew their thoughts, right? The Bible says, I mean, Jesus, what would you like me to do for you? I think he does the same thing still today. Is even when there's an obvious need, he says, I'd like you to define it. I'd like you to voice it. I'd like you to articulate it. What's the thing? I still do that when someone comes up for the prayer line or whatever for and i and i often ask them how can i pray for you today even though i know man i would pray a bunch of other things i I know all these things i'd want to pray over them no what are we praying for today what are you what are you believing for today and that's really what jesus was saying what are you believing for what do you want me to do for you my question is what if jesus asked the same question today And maybe you need to write that question down. Maybe the Lord gives you the answer in this moment, or maybe this is something that you mull over over the next days and weeks. If Jesus were to say to you and to me, what do you want me to do for you? Maybe there's a whole list. What do you want me to do for you? If Jesus were to say that, how would you respond? Would there be some personal things? Would there be some things you're believing for, for for your church or for your family would there be things you're believing for for the city or for the nation maybe you don't even pray about the nation because it just seems way out of reach and and i would encourage you to write the question at the top what do you want me to do for you and then act like anything you write he's going to listen wouldn't that be an amazing a, a, a bold prayer list that you could pray through over these next few weeks What do you want me to do for you? You know, if faith is being sure of what we hope for, then being unsure of what we hope for is the antithesis of faith. Obviously, the answer to this question is going to ebb and flow, and it's going to change over time. We need different miracles during different seasons. We pursue different dreams during different stages of life, and we stake claim to different promises in different situations. It's kind of a moving target sometimes. But you have to start somewhere. Could we start together as a church, as individuals, as families, right here, right now? You know, for me, um, one of the big ticket items in my life was, um, I don't know, I can't remember, how, was it five, six years ago, um, I wrote a book. But you rewind for years, there'd been, prophetic words. There had been uh, um, a, a sense of the Lord, you know, that, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. There's been all of those things that were inside me. Like, I knew there was a book inside me, and I just hadn't done it yet. Long story short, I got to this, this time where a friend of mine said, well, why haven't you written your book? <laughs> and there wasn't a real good answer. <laughs> I just said, um, well, what if people don't read it? Well, uh, what if I don't have anything to say? Well, well, what if, uh, you know, I I mean, I started listening. What if I don't have enough money to publish it? Or what if no one will publish it? Or what if I don't, you know, all of these different things. And he's like, oh, those seem like really good answers, Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) And there came a point when, for me, again, this thing that I've been circling, finally I had to just come into some active agreement with my faith. And just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm finally going to take you up on this. Lord, even if no one reads this, I know that you're asking me to do this. And so Holy Spirit and I partnered, and we continued to circle the dream and circle the promise And until one day, there was a moment when I printed off this manuscript, and there was, it, it wasn't like super spiritual. Like I, I got done, it was the first draft I got done, and, and just print, 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 paper, 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 whatever, and I picked it up, put these clips on it, and I held it in my hand, and it was like, whew, there was like a, I, I don't know how to describe it other than a Holy Spirit moment where I realized like this was more than just like an accomplishment, more than just where someone can just will themselves to do it. This was like a, um, a Holy, like this was an act of obedience. This was, this was a fulfillment of prayer this was, even if no one reads it, this was like, okay, Lord, you, you're reading this. I encourage us, whether you're praying for a miracle or believing for a dream or all of these things that God wells up inside your heart and your spirit, the things we're believing for, for this church, that we could just start today and start drawing circles around our biggest dreams, our biggest miracles, our biggest fears, and saying, God, I can't do this without you. What if faith just rose up in this place over these next few weeks? We are, um, man, we're doing a 21-day prayer challenge. And Pastor Kelly, you and your team, you guys can come. Would you pray with us? Would you do something different than you normally do? I, would, you, uh, would you come out to the church building during times of prayer? Maybe tonight, I don't know what, what plans you have, but would you come? It's going to be, be uh, real informal, not a whole lot of structure. Bring your Bible, bring your journal, and pray. Come up to the altar like they did. Like, like, uh, was it, is it the Methodists that had like, the, the benches up front? Right? And they'd kneel down and wear, wear out um, holes in their jeans and, right, as they kneeled at the altar. Come kneel at the altar tonight. Come kneel at the altar um, this week. Come in the morning if, you, if you're a morning person. Come around lunch if you're a, if you're a lunch person. <laughs> what? I don't know. Like maybe, maybe, you're, you're, maybe you're fasting and so you don't have anything, other, anything else to do during lunch and so you want to come out during your lunch hour. Maybe you want to come in the evening and just come out and bring your, bring your kids, bring your family. There's not going to be distractions. It, wouldn't it be a great time to just teach your kids how to pray? Come out. Come out once a week, a few times a week, every time slot that's open. Whatever, whatever it is for you. What, what about in your own prayer at your house? Where's your where's your prayer spot? Maybe you wake up early, or if you're if you're not watching TV or or other things during this time, maybe maybe you take that time slot and you pray or you journal or you read, whatever it might be. But could this be like putting jumper cables on our faith? for these three weeks. I am expectant. I'm anticipating breakthrough. I don't know what it is, but it's like, you know, when something's right around the corner and you're just like, it's coming. It's coming. Maybe like Honey. We've drawn this circle. We look like idiots, (laughs) right? We get down on this. It hasn't rained in years. And you're just like, okay, God, I'm not leaving this circle. I'm not leaving this circle until you have mercy on your people. Can we stand? Can we pray? Holy Spirit, all over this place, may faith arise. May you give us the faith and the heart to believe for big things. Bold prayers. May we take Ephesians 3 seriously and say man we can't outdream you we can't outimagine you we can't outask you that you are the god of the universe that had a creative day one day and spoke the worlds into existence and your hebrews says you you sustain all things by your powerful word Lord we thank you that you are for us and if god is for us no one can be against us can we worship with this song and then in a, in a minute when, when we're done, we're just going to invite prayer workers up. This might be the day that you come to the altar to our prayer teams and say, I'm starting it. I'm, I'm, this is what I'm circling. This is what I'm circling. This is what I want prayer for. This is what I want agreement for. During these 21 days, you come up and you let someone partner with you and you start the circle with somebody this morning. Let's worship for a minute here.